You're listening to the Harvest Time Podcast. We hope this message helps you know God in a real and powerful way. If you are in the Fort Smith area, we would love to see you in one of our services on Saturdays at 6 p.m. or Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Enjoy the message. We're going to end today's uh, lengthy teaching series on God given by looking at what I think is the greatest thing God's given to any of us, and that is God has given to us eternal hope. How many of you thank God for eternal hope? Come on, you thank God for it today? Yes. Now, when I think about this, it's ironic that we all know that death is out there. All of us know this. We've all lost someone. We all realize that we're getting older every day. How many, how many know you're older today than you were yesterday? If you didn't, you are. I'm just telling you. And you can fight this, but listen, we all know that this is a natural process. And how many know all of us know that at some point we're not going to be around? But we don't like that, do we? And so I think it's unique that, that we're discomforted by this, we're perplexed by its finality, and I realize that there's a relational loss when folks pass this life, I totally get that, but I'm intrigued by the fact that we know this is out there, yet we push against it, and I think I kind of know why. When you look at this, I wonder sometimes if people are more afraid of not existing than they are of dying. How many in the house today, you have known yourself your entire life, put your hand up high. A few of you. How many don't even know who you are right now? You're thinking, I'm not sure what's going on around here. All of us have always known. I've never not known me to be. I've always known me my entire life. Ever since I have been, I have always known me, and I can't process not knowing me, and I can't process not living because I've only known living. You guys are going, that sounds pretty simple. It is pretty simple. And I think here's the bottom line behind this. I think this is a deeper spiritual insight that we even realize sometimes. And here's why. God himself is an eternal God. And God himself has made man in his image and likeness, and God himself has put eternity in the heart of man. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. God has built that in you. The idea that you can't process not existing is really part of your eternal nature God built inside of you when he created you. And that's why you can't think of life outside yourself. That's why you can't think of not being because you've always been and you want to always be because deep inside of you is this eternal part shaped after God himself who is an eternal God. Now, I think this is neat that most people believe in some form of life after death. And most people who believe that have this vision of a good place or a bad place. And they have these thoughts about how you go here versus go here. Go to the bad place by being bad. Go to the good place by being good. Do good stuff. Go here, go there. But I wonder if that's really how this is working. Most of us would probably agree as well that, that people are influenced by where they get their news from. In fact, I could probably just ask you where you watch your television news or radio news, and I could probably figure out at some level which way you lean on certain, certain topics of society. Is that a fair statement to make today? That where you get your news affects how you view things. You know, this is also true on heaven. Most people get their view on heaven from movies and books. Things are told by somebody here or there. Most folks have no idea what the Bible says, but they know what grandma said. They know what the movie said. They know what the book said. But listen to me. If we don't get our picture of heaven or hell from the Bible, do we have a real picture of a place called heaven or hell? The answer is no. 
Now, movie heaven's a great place to go. It's just this constant place of pleasure and endless Krispy Kreme donuts. Can I get an amen? Endless donuts. And you got the fat guy with the wings shooting bow and arrow at people, and they're falling in love in heaven, and they got this picture of heaven like that. And then you got hell over here, and that's the guy with the pitchfork and the pointy, uh, pointy ears and the horns out the front of his face. He's got a tail coming up, the tail kind of like swirls around. And that's not in the Bible either. You know that, don't you? So today I want to give you a biblical view on this because absent religious thought, there is zero reason to believe in any form of life after death. Science won't teach it. History won't teach it. Your math class sure won't teach it because it doesn't add up. It's based on faith. It's based on a belief in a greater being called God. And we get this from the Bible itself. And every religious thought process has a different take on this thing called the afterlife. Some would call it nirvana. Some would call it a place where you get uh, blessed for doing good and punished for doing bad. Some would call it reincarnation. Some call it a state of being or a state of mind. But only Christianity speaks of heaven as a place where we can go and be with our Savior for eternal life as we await a brand new heaven and a brand new earth. The Bible, then, is our only source that would give us any indication or frame of reference on God, eternal life, heaven, or hell. So we have to come back today to this book and find out what it says, not what the movie says, not what the good novel said, and not what your grandma said, but what the Bible says. Now, I was reading some stats this, this week on this and getting some more insight into how people think. I love to notice and think how people think. I'm intrigued by how people think. And I came across a very unique statistic, and that's simply this. 72% of people believe in heaven. Only 58% believe in hell. And that's just among secular folks, not believers, but just people surveyed in, on, in, in America. So think of it this way. We love the idea of a heaven, but most don't want to discuss hell because we want to have our cake and eat it too. And we don't want the idea of punishment because that's too hard to process, but probably there is a good place called heaven. Now here's the part that got me because the Christians weren't much better. When I got to the Christian statistic, it was barely higher than the non-Christian statistic. So here's the stats for those that claim faith in Jesus Christ. Here it is. Of those people, 82% believe in heaven. That's better than 72%, but it should be 100%. And here's the part that got me. Only 67 believe in a place called hell. Now, here's my position today. There either is or is not an afterlife. This is not a multiple choice. This is a true or false question. There either is a heaven or there's not. There is a hell or there's not. There's afterlife or there's not. There's not like several options. And this book would tell us that there is a place called heaven, that there is life after death, and that there is a place called hell. And this book maps out how you go to one place or the other. And it's not by what you think. It's by things laid out in this book right here. So it's very clear about this. And I'll tell you today, it either is or is not. And there is no in-between. And I'm either wrong about everything as a believer in God's word. I don't think I am. I believe I'm on track according to the word of God. Or... We have taken this idea and we have minced this down into our version, which accommodates our life, 
which would make you God and him not God. And so today I want to give to you a biblical concept on what heaven is and what hell really is. Because this should be 100% in or out, yes or no, on both questions of heaven and hell and life after death. Now, when I think about life, we have built inside of us this eternal nature. And we have also built inside of us this craving for something more. I don't care how good life is, we always want more. I mean, that's our nature because, remember, eternity is built inside of us, right? So even though I got a great marriage, I wanted to get better. I got great kids, I wanted to get better. I got a great job as a pastor, I wanted to be better. I got decent health as a human, I want to get better. There's a part of me that wants to be better at everything I have. I want more, not less. I've never said to myself, man, I hope it all just ends right here today. I've never had that thought. I've always wanted to see the next sunrise. I've always wanted to see that next beautiful picture of the Rocky Mountains. I've always wanted to see the Buckeyes win another national title. Can I get an amen? Anybody else care about that? Nobody cares about that. So clearly my heaven is different than yours. I get that totally. But I've always had this craving inside of me for just the next thing. Have you ever taken your kids on a trip and, 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 and they're in the back seat and they're asking this question? They always say, are we what? There yet. And you're going, believe me, as the driver, I can't wait to be there to get out of this car while you folks playing in sleep, I'm working up here behind the wheel. But our human nature has all kinds of things that tell us that we're eternally minded. And then we don't want this to end. It's like taking a bite of a really good steak. You, you take that first bite and think, man, I hope this never goes away. But it has a limit to it, unfortunately. So I think about things like this, and I just want to throw out the idea today that there is hope beyond. And I want to ask you today if you have hope beyond this life. Or if this is as good as it will ever be for you. In fact, today in the service, we'll show you a great video of a family that, that found hope beyond this life. And that hope helped them with pain and loss in this life. I, I realize that for many, we, we have a misview on, on, on eternal life. And here's my first thought today. Eternal life and eternal hope doesn't begin when you die. It begins right now. Way too many people look at eternity through the lens of something that starts when you die. And I submit to you that based upon this book right here, eternal life begins today, not when you pass this life. And way too many folks are looking to that death date as the beginning of this new eternal life. And I will tell you, that does not line up based upon this book. Another thought for you real fast. Eternal life describes a way of living, not just a place for the dying. It's not just about when you get there. Eternal life is not just a destination vacation. Hey, are we there yet? It's not a place you pack your bags to go to the night before. And to most of us today in this room, if you're going to go on a trip in March for spring break, you probably haven't packed your bags just yet. You'll, you'll probably wait till the week of or the night of, and, and then you'll scurry around and get stuff together. And too many folks live the Christian life that way, and they don't realize that the Christian life is about preparation today for whatever happens in the future because none of us know the future. All of us know somebody who left this life unexpectedly or prematurely. All of us know somebody who was here today and gone by midnight. 
And for some, that was planned out. For some, it was mapped out based on sickness or, or age or whatever it might be. But all of us know somebody who left this life without any, any, any forewarning that this was their last day on the earth. I never know when I'll preach you my last service before my own service takes place. For all I know, this is it. Because I have no guarantee on midnight. I have no guarantee on Monday morning. And I sure have no guarantee on next weekend. Now, I've got plans that go that direction. But I don't really know, and neither do you. And that's why you can't think of eternal life as a place you pack your bags for the night before you leave. Because eternal life starts here, and it starts now. Let's talk about this afterlife, just for a few conversation points. And here's the first thing I want to discuss in the topic of hell. Let's address this question, why would a loving God, I love this question, why would a loving God, Marty, why would a loving God send people to hell? Well, my first question back is, why do you call him a loving God? How do you know that? Now, he is, but how do you know that? The only thing that tells us he's a loving God is this book right here. So that means we have to go back to this book and decide that this book then is the source on all things concerning his nature, his character, and God cannot act outside his character. This talks about heaven and a hell and places we're going to go when we die and how we get to either or place. This book is clear. So let's go back to this. First of all, God did not make hell for people. Did you know that? The Bible tells us in Matthew 25, it says this, that hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. Look at this, Matthew 25, 41. Then he will say to those on the left hand, depart from me, you cursed, you're cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for, everybody say prepared for. Come on, say prepared for. Prepared for who? The devil and his angels. So God did not make hell for people. He made it for the devil and his angels. Those who had fallen away and chose to rebel against God, he cast them into outer darkness in a place called hell, or the Old Testament words, a place called Sheol. Now, Isaiah chapter 5 tells us this. It says that hell actually enlarged itself. Did you know this? That when God put Lucifer in hell, that people begin to love evil more than good, and so he began to realize, i got to make space for him. Look at this, Isaiah chapter 5, verse 14. It says, therefore, Sheol, or that's hell, Old Testament word, has enlarged itself and opened its mouth beyond measure because men loved evil more than good. The Bible tells us in this text, this chapter, because men loved evil, he had to expand hell to make space for people who loved evil above good. You say, well, Barty, that was then. We don't love evil now. Oh, we love evil right now as people. In fact, you want to get attention, do something evil, do something good, no one cares. Evil sells. Evil markets. Evil gets on the news all day long because the Bible tells us even today that people love darkness more than light. We love our sin. We love our sin nature. That's why we do stuff we shouldn't do because we have this craving, and that's why hell gets bigger. So what about heaven? Watch this. The Bible tells us that God made heaven for people. So the single place God made for people was not hell, but a place called heaven. John 14, 1. Jesus talking to the disciples. He says this. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. 
In my Father's house are many mansions, watch this, or rooms, a different version would say, if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. So get this picture in your head. God puts Satan, Lucifer, in a place called hell with his angels. Because men loves evil, he begins to expand hell, Lucifer does, begins to increase capacity for folks to come be with him in a place called hell. At the same time, God himself, through Christ, is in heaven preparing a place for us. Verse 3, he says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am you may be also. So you got two places here to talk about. you got hell which is being enlarged every day because people love evil more than, more than good, love light, dark more than light. And then you got heaven where even the same time, Jesus himself is there adding on a room for you or for me if I choose to follow him. The only way to get to heaven, though, is by a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the only way to get there, not by being good enough. How many thank God that people who are not good enough can still go to heaven? Put your hand up high. Man, I thank God for that every day. It's a relationship issue with Jesus Christ. And here's some even better news. Anyone who wants to go can go to heaven with Jesus. So let's go back to the question, why would a loving God send people to hell? That's a bad question. A better question is this, why would people reject a loving God who's prepared a place called heaven for them every day of their life? Why would they reject God who's got a place to go to? See, we sure love evil, and that's why hell had to expand itself. We get to choose where we spend eternal life. Each one of us get to choose. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, everybody say whoever. Who in this house today, you're a whoever. Put your hand up high and say, I'm a whoever. I'm a whoever. Whoever. That whoever wants to believe in him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. Who gets to go? Anybody gets to go. As long as you accept Jesus as your Savior. Doesn't matter what color you are. Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter if you're, if you're rich or poor, tall and skinny, short and square. Doesn't matter. You can go to heaven if you choose Jesus as your Savior. In fact, I would submit that still having time to choose Jesus is an act of God's grace for you. The very fact that you're still here hearing about the good news of Christ today, that you can make a choice for Jesus, is an example of God's grace in your life because you have no idea when you won't be here to hear this message. None of us know. None of us have an idea when we'll hear the last sermon that you'll hear me preach or somebody else preach because none of us have an idea on that timeline. Now, Let's talk about this thing about behaviors and choosing Jesus Christ. Choosing Jesus is a belief that's reflected in our behaviors, not the other way around. You don't get your behaviors right and then begin to believe. You begin to believe and then work on your behaviors. I work on behaviors all the time, especially during football season. There's times i got to help the officials. They just can't see that one. They need my support. There's times i got to help the coach call the right play because I have a better view than he does of the game. And so I realize that I'm there and I'm there to help these folks. And I have to remind myself, i got to keep myself in check because I have a different belief based on my faith in Christ that says, hey, you can't act like that because you're not acting like Jesus. 
To which I say, Jesus never went to a football game. But if he did, I have no idea what he would do. See, beliefs and behaviors go together, and a belief in eternal life changes my behaviors in this life, but it starts with my belief systems. And the more I believe in Jesus, the more I believe in different behaviors. Now, having said that, I'm intrigued by people who want to go to heaven but reject in this life all the things that heaven's going to be like. Let me just tell you today, if you don't like worshiping God, you don't want to go to heaven. That's what we're going to do for thousands of years. That's what we're going to do. You don't like generosity. You don't want to go where the most generous being of all resides in a place called heaven. Because if you're a stingy person, why go where generosity flows everywhere? You don't like the word of God. Why go where the word is sitting at? Don't like folks of a different color than you? Please don't go to heaven. Because in heaven, you're going to find all kinds of colors, all kinds of tongues, all kinds of folks, because God is a very creative and a diverse God. Can I get an amen? He's a very diverse God. You don't like that? You don't want to go to heaven. You don't like each other? Don't go to heaven. That's like going with your family who you don't like on vacation. It won't get better because you're on vacation. It actually gets worse because now you're all cooped up together and you're afraid to laugh right now, aren't you? Because they're looking at you like, is anybody seeing me? Hear me today. If you don't like the things of heaven here, why would you want to go there? Now, what did Jesus say to us about this thing called eternal life? Real simple. Jesus said this, John 17, he said this. He said, this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Watch this close. Eternal life begins when you begin to know God. By the way, we exist as a church to help people what? Know God. That's why we're here. And I would submit to you that you can't really come to know God outside of God's word and outside of God's house because there's principles here that apply to us here and these things have to go together. Knowing God is about a relationship, not an information transition or an information sharing. Knowing is relational. It takes time, it takes investment, it takes, it takes exchange. Anything that works in a relationship or works in your walk with Jesus Christ, it's the same conversation. And so if you reject God here relationally, then why do you think you're going to go to heaven eternally? Eternal life, listen close, is an interactive relationship where I experience God's presence in my life, watch this, by his grace with a passionate pursuit of his will every day, and that gives me a thing called hope. When I experience him every day in my life and I'm, and I'm hungry for the things of God and I love the, the, the house of God and the word of God and the people of God and, his, and, his, and him in my life, his, his spirit every day in my life, that is a relationship that begins eternal life. That's what this is about today. Eternal life is that. Eternal life, listen to me close, does not begin after you die, but at the point where God redeems your soul and life by grace and we begin a relational walk with him that never ends. That's why it's called eternal. Eternal life, listen to me, 
is more about getting heaven into you than about getting you into heaven. If, if hear me today, if I don't have heaven in me right now, why do I think I ever want to go to heaven? Because I can have eternal life today. Remember, eternal life doesn't begin when you die. It begins the moment that you experience his grace and begin a relationship with him. Because eternal life, listen to me, is based on relationship status with Jesus, through Jesus unto God himself. That's how we get there. Never forget this. Heaven is not a place you qualify for. This is not like your frequent flyer mile status with your airlines. How much I got to fly this year to get, to get that status back? Go, go up to your wife someday and say, hey, honey, what do I have to do to be married to you? Now, you know if you do that, you're a fool's fool. <laughs> and if you do that, please ask from a long ways away because you may have some wounds after that's over. But way too many folks think of heaven this way. This is what the rich ruler asked Jesus. He said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? The spirit of that is, Lord, I cross the T's and dot the I's so I can get in. And too many people today who proclaim a place called heaven as their destination have no connection to heaven right now. And they're deceived by that reality. Here's why. Heaven is not for everybody. It's an acquired taste. I always wonder who will be here hearing my voice every week who won't, who won't make it to heaven. Maybe you're here every service, but you're just not dialed into the things of God. But you're here. You're punching the time clock. You're crossing T's, dotting the I's. You may worship. You may even give. You may serve. You may be on the church staff or lead a small group. I don't know who you are. But you know and I know that in your heart somewhere there's no heaven inside of you, and you think you're going to get into heaven one day. And, folks, it doesn't work that way. It's an acquired taste. The psalmist said this. He said, oh, taste and see that the Lord, he is good. And today I want to invite all of us here and those watching online to, to step into a place called eternal life. And, and that's bigger than just when you die conversation. That's how you live conversation. Because eternal life is based on beginning today. I'm not packing the bags before I go on vacation in a few months. I'm changing how I live because I never know exactly when that death point comes to my life. None of us do. I have no idea, and neither do you. Today I want to invite you to step into a thing called eternal life by, by choosing Jesus as your Savior, making heaven your home, but bringing heaven into your now, not just your then, because that's eternal life. Thanks again for listening today. You can learn more about our church at harvesttime.net or by following us on Instagram. To stay up to date with more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe. We'll see you next time.